3: The Benjamin Dixon Show is only possible with listener support. Go to www.thebenjamindixonshow.com to register
4: for our blog and join the progressive army. Specifically, the indictment brings felony charges against Donald John Trump, Rudolph William Lewis Giuliani, John Charles Eastman, Mark Randall Meadows, John Cheeseborough, Jeffrey Clark, Jenna Lynn Ellis, Ray Stallings Smith III, Robert David Cheeley, Michael A. Roman, David James Schaefer, Sean Micah Tresher Steele, Stephen Cliffgard Lee, Harrison William Prescott Floyd, Travion C. Cooty, Sydney Catherine Powell, Kathleen Austin Latham, Scott Graham Hall. And Misty Hampton, also known as Emily Misty Hayes.
5: That was the voice of Fannie T. Willis, who is the district attorney for Fulton County, Georgia, where last night Donald Trump. Former President Donald J. Trump was indicted yet again, this time along with 18 co-conspirators. They are all charged underneath the RICO Act, that is the Racketeering Influenced and Criminal Organization Act that allows all of them to be prosecuted together and for one to be held accountable for the crimes of the other. Um, That is the nature of RICO charges. And Fannie T. Willis has made it clear that she is going after the entire what she called criminal enterprise. Their activities leading up to January 6th, the fake elector scheme and the attempt to find those 11,000 voters that Donald Trump called into the secretary of state of Georgia and requested that he find. Find those 11. That's that's the call. The imp, now infamous call that is included in this indictment. And Donald Trump is taking quite a few people down with them. Jenna Ellis. Um, one of his former secret uh, attorneys. Uh, you have Sidney Powell, one of his w- former advisors who's going down with them, Mark Meadows. You hear the, the, the long list of names. There are so many people who are involved in this operation that it does make sense that Fannie Willis is trying them underneath the RiCO statute. Arrest warrants have been issued, and they have until next Friday, August 25th. Donald Trump and all of his co-conspirators have until next Friday, the 25th, to surrender.
4: Subsequent to the indictment, as is the normal process in Georgia law, the, the grand jury issued arrest warrants for those who are charged. I am giving the defendants the opportunity to voluntarily surrender no later than noon on Friday, the 25th day of Hmm. August, 2023.
5: Now, what's going to be interesting about this particular arraignment is that the Fulton County Sheriff has made it clear that unless otherwise instructed by some higher authority, he intends on booking uh, Donald Trump as usual, including a mugshot.
0: As someone tells me differently, we are are following our our, our normal practices. And so it doesn't matter your status, we we got mugshots ready for you.
5: So now after four indictments, the country is poised to get a mugshot of a former president because that former president cannot accept the fact that he lost the election. And it's, it's really kind of sad and ironic that despite everything that Trump did while he was in office, it's what he did after he lost the election that is ultimately going to um, potentially land him in jail. Now, again, I I still am of the opinion that it's going to be very unlikely that Donald Trump sees a day behind prison doors. Um, and in the state of Georgia, if he is found guilty, he does not have the ability to pardon himself and neither does the governor of Georgia, Brian Kemp. He does not have the power to pardon anyone in the state of Georgia, uh, It's unlike most states. And also, uh, Brian Kemp has made it clear in response to Donald Trump's reaction to Fannie Willis's indictment of him. Donald Trump went to Truth Social and ranted per usual, Brian Kemp chimed in and let it be known that he also does not believe that the 2020 election was stolen. So if anyone was hoping that there would be help coming from the Republican governor of Georgia, it does not look like there's any help coming. And even if Brian Kemp wanted to help, he does not have the power to pardon Donald Trump. So if there's any real possibility of Trump going to prison, I think Georgia Fulton County presents the, the highest likelihood, at least as it pertains to structural outs, right? Can someone pardon him or can Trump pardon himself from prison, which is really what Republicans are going with, uh, along with somewhat of a meltdown. Conservatives are having a meltdown. On one side of the equation, you have Republicans losing their minds. You have, per usual, the conservative activists and conservative commentators are calling for civil war. You have the likes of Ben Shapiro, who uh, wants to make it clear that this is opening a Pandora's box, so we should expect indictments to follow for Democrats. Which And before I play this clip of uh, Lindsey Graham whining and complaining on Fox News over this indictment, I would like to say if there's a, a lot of Republican prosecutors around the country who have been sitting on indictable information about Democrats and they haven't indicted them yet, then that is a dereliction of duty. So if all of these, you know, I mean, because I'm going to assume that Republicans expect that uh, district attorneys are going to indict based on actual facts and evidence that, that makes someone indictable. Right. We're, or should we assume that what they're saying, what people like Ben Shapiro's Charlie Kirk and the entire conservative commentariat, what they're saying is it doesn't matter whether or not you have actual uh, chargeable offenses. We just want you to indict Democrats because the Democrats had the nerve, which they didn't. But this is the talking point. They had the nerve to indict former President Donald Trump. No, former President Donald Trump indicted himself. He did this to himself. And as far as the actual process of indictments, it had nothing to do with the Democratic Party. It has everything to do with Donald Trump and his crime spree in the aftermath of losing the 2020 election. Here is a sampling of conservatives who have taken to social media or rather taken to television to lament this indictment. First here is Lindsey Graham.
0: Uh, I know that Fulton County is the most liberal county, I think, in all of Georgia. The DA there is a Democrat. I know that the, um, uh, they're trying to uh, use a RICO statute. I don't know exactly what they're gonna come out with, but I know this, between Manhattan and Fulton County and D.C., the most liberal jurisdictions in the country, it's very unfair to President Trump And shouldn't this really be done by a statewide official? If there's a crime against the people of Georgia, shouldn't it be done by somebody like the attorney general? Are we going to let county prosecutors start prosecuting the president of the United States, the former president of the United States? You open up Pandora's box to the presidency. This whole exercise of allowing a county prosecutor to go after a former president of the United States will do a lot of damage to the presidency itself over time. To my Democratic friends, be careful what you wish for. But that's the thing. If you all actually have
5: charges that can stick, that you can uh, get a grand jury to indict around and for, uh, do it. Who's I would love nothing more than to see a perp walk of every politician that deserves a perp walk. I don't care what political party they are. The problem is is that you don't have anything on them. You you simply don't because if they did, do you think for a second, Republicans would have waited this long and waited for Democrats to strike first? Of course not. They have nothing. But they are so furious because Donald Trump made himself not only a former president, but a future inmate. We'll be back with more of The Benjamin Dixon Show right after this.
3: Visit us online at thebenjamindixonshow.com.
5: Welcome back. Welcome back. Yep. So these are the charges against Donald Trump. Uh, False statements in writing, solicitation of violation of oath by a public officer, uh, violating the uh, Georgia's RICO Act solicitation of violation of oath by a public officer, multiple counts of that, conspiracy to commit impersonating a public officer, conspiracy to commit forgery in the first degree, conspiracy to fi- uh, commit filing false documents, conspiracy to commit false statements in writing, conspiracy to commit false statements in writing, multiple charges of that. Uh, again, another filing of false documents charge. Uh, again, false statements in writing. Uh, Donald, I think what Donald Trump didn't realize is that The paper trail of his stupidity would really add up to these 41 counts. He across all of his four indictments, he's facing a total of 91 counts against him that he has to defend against over the next year and a half as he prepares to run for president. And one of his main talking points right now is that he believes that he is being indicted on behalf of the voters. The voters are the real people that uh, the government is going after. He- here is Representative Ashley Henson from the 2nd Congressional District of Iowa on Newsmax, making that case for Donald Trump, that scaring Americans, making them think that, no, they're not after a president who conspired to remain in power and to overthrow the government. They're really after you, the Republicans regular voter. 2024 uh, is going to be really,
4: really important to making sure we can, again, restore justice here because when we keep hearing about these stretches that are being used for political purposes, um, that is not what everyday Americans are concerned that uh, they're going to be next. right? And that's what I think everybody's uh, worried about. And we need to make sure that we are uh, refocusing in on that. And I think January 15th, uh, Iowa's caucus date can't come soon
0: enough.
5: That's because they honestly believe that the momentum of a presidential campaign will be too big for the levers of justice to hold Donald Trump accountable so they they cannot wait until the primaries start in earnest. And for his part, Ted Cruz is piling on to the fake outrage, trying to get people angry enough to actually commit acts of violence. Of course, he's never going to say that expressly, but listen to him as he describes on Fox News just how pissed he really is over this indictment.
2: But you ask what my reaction is, I'm pissed. I'm pissed at these over and over and over again. If there are indictments tonight, it'll be the fourth indictment of Donald Trump. This is disgraceful. Our country is over 200 years old. We have never once indicted a former president or a candidate and a leading candidate for president. And this is Joe Biden and this is the Democrats weaponizing the justice system because they're afraid of the voters. This is disgraceful. It is wrong and it is an abuse of power by angry Democrats who have decided the rule of law doesn't matter to them anymore.
5: I, you know, as I listened to that clip, I, I see he was really doing his best to make himself actually angry so he could get a you know a, a viral moment. But he couldn't even convince himself to actually be angry about what everyone can see plainly. The only people who cannot seem to accept the fact that the former president is a criminal because of his ego— Because he could not fathom losing an election, right? Before I even finish that thought, folks, we're here because Donald Trump hyped himself up into it. And the only people who can acknowledge that are the people who are the sycophants, the people who will follow Donald Trump all the way to the pits of hell. The very people that Donald Trump said that he could shoot somebody on fifth Avenue and they will still support him. That's exactly what's happening. Now you do have some Republicans who are doing their best to use this as an opportunity to rid the Republican party of Donald Trump once and for all. I played a clip for you yesterday of former Lieutenant governor of Georgia, uh, Jeff Duncan, who was scheduled to testify today. Here is Jeff Duncan speaking with uh, Greg Blumstein of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution in the aftermath of the indictment.
2: You said uh, this was a pivot point for the country as, as you as you came out of the room. What, what do you hope your testimony accomplished? Well, I, I hope my testimony gets the facts, uh, you know, as they are and helps to continue to paint a real and honest picture. But, but politically speaking, this is a pivot point for this country to do something more than just stew on the on the, on the 2020 election cycle, right? We're either going to, as Republicans, take our medicine and realize the election wasn't rigged. Donald Trump was the worst candidate ever in the history of the party, even worse than Herschel Walker. And now we're going to have to pivot from there, right? We want to win an election in 2024. It's going to have to be somebody other than Donald Trump if we do it. So politically speaking, this is an important pivot point for our party. It, it is, and it very well could be
5: if the party was pivoting to something other than Um, The fascism of Ron DeSantis. Right. It's not as though what the Republican Party wants to become is a whole lot better than what it already is in the uh, shadow of Donald Trump. But yet there are some Republicans who are doing their best to get away from him. The the, the funniest thing about that clip, though, is I did not hear the whole clip until just now. I had no idea he threw Herschel Walker under the bus like that. And, like hey, the man said, Donald Trump is the worst Republican candidate, even worse than Herschel Walker. Um, I, I I appreciate the laugh. But I'm still not sure if that's exactly true cuz Herschel Walker was a special kind of bad candidate. But Donald Trump is most certainly one of the worst political leaders of our lifetime of of any generation. He has shown that his ego is the number 1 thing that matters to him. Nothing else. The constitution never mattered to that man. Justice never mattered to that man. Only his ego. We'll be right back.
3: Go to www.patreon.com forward slash the BPD show and get twice the content and unfiltered interviews without any of the commercial and interruptions. here
5: we go. Very special welcome to our newest patron, Deborah Day. Thank you so much for becoming a patron. This entire patron party is for you. Go on and turn it up. can become a part of this prestigious and most prodigious patron family by going to patreon.com forward slash the bpd show where you get twice the content none of the commercial interruptions and you do get access to our patron parties which we're getting ready to revamp revitalize and relaunch coming up soon patreon.com forward slash the bpd show and we will be back right after this commercial break unless you are already a patron
3: Welcome back to The Benjamin Dixon Show. Visit us online at thebenjamindixonshow.com. Welcome
5: back. Yep. Welcome back. Do you recall the movie The Blind Side that starred Sandra Bullock about this? Good, God-fearing Mississippi couple, white family, well-to-do, who took in this big black man or child at the time. Um, And according to the movie, he wasn't too smart. According to the movie, he had never had a a bed before. And according to the movie, they got him interested in playing football and helped him get to Mississippi, uh, not Mississippi State, but Ole Miss. Well, Michael Orr, who is the star of that story, not the star of the movie, but he was the focal point in the movie The Blind Side, has made it known. He has announced that he was taken advantage of. He claims that his portrayal in the movie uh, as being adopted by a wealthy family is inaccurate. And instead, the Tui family established a conservatorship to profit from his name and his image. Michael Orr, who is 37 years old, has filed a petition to dissolve the conservatorship in a Tennessee probate court and is demanding an account of his assets, old money, attorney fees, punitive damages and sanctions for the conservatorship violations. This is according to the Associated Press. He met the Tui family in high school and was intermittently staying with them during his junior year. They presented him with the conservatorship document, which he was told was essentially an adoption, or alleges that the Tui's profited from the movie adaptation of the book about his life, The Blind Side, while he received nothing. He also claimed that his name was signed on a document giving rights to his likeness for the movie without his knowledge. Whew! Now. In the aftermath of this release, which was just yesterday, the Tui family immediately released their uh, version of events. And uh, this is, uh, according to the family, they are just as confused as Michael Orr is. Sean Tui, the family, uh, the father of the family, denies profiting from the movie and explains that the conservatorship was established to help Michael Orr's recruitment to Ole Miss, which doesn't really ring true to me. Under what what circumstances does a person have to be entered into a conservatorship to go to college, to play college football? And So something's not adding up. The math isn't mathing. But uh, according to other reports, the family, uh, Sean Tui, Leah Tui, and their children even made money off of the movie, though Sean Tui is denying it. Uh, According to NewYorkMagazine.com, the 2009 movie based on a book by Michael Lewis won Sandra Bullock the Academy Award for Best Actress. According to the filing, the blind side netted the Tuies and their two children $225,000 each plus 2.5% of the defined net proceeds, which is a substantial amount for a movie that made $309 million at the box office. So this family... Allegedly, has made millions off of Michael Orr and he says that he made nothing. Now, it does beg the question uh, about the nature of this conservatorship, because is he still in? If he's signing, if he's petitioning to have the conservatorship uh, dissolved, so then I need to know what happened to all of his money from the NFL. Uh, Did they have their hands in that pot as well? Now, listen, I'm inclined to believe Michael Orr because of the nature of, well, white supremacy in this country. Is there not a greater example of what white supremacy does than to literally co-opt the name and the likeness and the labor all of those years playing football of a black person? For their own personal benefit and for the generational wealth that they could pass down to their children. I mean, that is literally the history of the United States of America. So I am inclined to believe him, but I'm also interested in seeing how Sean Tui is going to prove his case. If he is honestly saying that they didn't make any money off that movie, then they better have a hell of a lot of receipts. To show that uh, everything was done in decency and in order and to show where that money went if it did not go to Michael Orr.
3: Moments ago, six former Mississippi police officers had back in court. They've already pleaded guilty to federal charges of torturing two black men. Well, now they are staring down
5: state charges. Prosecutors say the suspects, all of whom are white, called themselves the Goon
2: Squad because of the excessive force that they used.
5: This was a story that was first brought to my attention by uh, my good friend, uh, uh, Brother Marquel Bridges, who uh, is one of the leading organizers in the state of Mississippi for justice. And he brought to my attention the story of Michael Jenkins and Eddie Parker, who were tortured by this so-called goon squad. Uh, they were sexually assaulted by this goon squad. And one of the gentlemen was shot in the mouth, through the tongue and through the neck, both gentlemen were tortured for about two hours and these officers used their tasers on these men during throughout the duration of it. I want to play a little bit more of this compilation of audio sound bites and includes an interview with the two men and I want you to listen to the difficulty that Michael Jenkins has speaking. Specifically listen to his voice because this is what the goon squad did to him. I crawl here this spot and they, uh, they uh, started uh, beating me here
3: and tasing me. As you can see, you know, blood spots now.
1: And, and my blood spots there. That hurt. I'm embarrassed. That was Eddie Parker and Michael Jenkins. When you think about Michael Jenkins, at one point, one of these officers, who was admitted to this, took out a gun, and they believed they had cleared the gun.
5: They put it in his mouth and they pulled the trigger. He cleared the gun again and put it back in his mouth and pulled the trigger. At that point, it shot through his tongue and exited his neck. That's why he has trouble talking to this day. He'll be dealing with this for the rest of his life. Now, I know Rankin County, Mississippi really well. I actually attended uh, Northwest Rankin Attendance Center for two years. Uh, So I I know that area pretty decently. I I also know that despite the uh, very vocal condemnations of this type of behavior, uh, this type of, of abuse and this type of torture, These were six officers from the same precinct, from the, from the same department. Okay. These six officers. And this, this is not a case of a few bad apples, right? This is, this is, these are a lot of bad apples that participated with this collective identity known as the goon squad, right? It reminds me of the California police officers and sheriff deputies who, also ran around with their gang names. Uh, what were their names? The Executioners and the the Reapers, things like that. So you have these these officers for whom their authority and their power is not enough. It's it's not good enough for them to literally have the power of their shield and their guns. They have to coalesce around even more violent identities and branding and gang affiliations. And then they take that and execute that rage, that violence against the black community overwhelmingly. Now, I obviously, I'm sure there's going to be some white victims here. Maybe not in Mississippi, definitely in California. In Mississippi, I'm sure all their victims are black just because, well, that's Mississippi. But but the point is, is that these groups exist throughout our policing agencies around the country. And we absolutely have to get beyond this this idea that just because someone wears a uniform, that they are above all of the racism and the biases and the violence that the average person is filled with in this country. If, if you take the average conservative police officer who mind you what all the photoshops that we've seen policing agencies take with Donald Trump all around this country, right? You 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 take the make America Great Again mantra, right? You take the uptick in violence and violent rhetoric that we've it now, this is not new. I'm not saying that this is this is the type of behavior that's new because of MAGA. I just want you to just see how how it has all come to a head, how it's all to like a boiling point where you honestly have every layer of this country from the average voter who supports the MAGA mentality, the conservative movement to law enforcement officials who have entrenched power behind them, utilizing that same mentality, that same way of thinking, that same bigotry, that same hatred and using the force of law behind it. And oh, by the way, it's not just the force of law. This is them going above, believing that they are above the law, creating these gang affiliations and acting out violence against particularly black people in this case in Mississippi. I'm not surprised, but we should all be disgusted and do something about it. That's it for the public show patreon.com forward slash the BPD show to get the second half. I will be discussing a couple of clips. Number one, I'll be discussing Michael Flynn, the former general and former national security advisor for Donald Trump. His clip that has gone viral of him essentially blaming Holocaust victims for not rebelling against the guards at the concentration camps. I'll play it in its entirety. I'm even going to play a clip from Hillary Clinton, something I don't think I have ever done on the show, but she had a few things to say about the indictment of Donald Trump. Uh, that I think is really funny and we should all laugh about it. <laughs> so patreon.com forward slash the BPD show. And last but not least, that little weasel, that little maggot, Nick Fuentes, the little Nazi fascist uh, has something to say about the Jamaican American, the black woman, uh, Tanya Chutkin, the judge who is presiding over the DC trial, the federal trial of Donald Trump. Uh, he yeah i'm not going to come to patreon.com so i could say what i need to say about that guy who as small as i am um it would really be nothing to rearrange his jaw uh he's one of these guys who constantly talks about violence and civil war <laughs> patreon.com forward slash the bpd show otherwise i'll see you tomorrow
4: the benjamin dixon show is only possible with listener support go to www.patreon.com forward slash The BPD Show and support The Benjamin Dixon Show. If you like this episode, be sure to share, like, and subscribe.